It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My impression is, is that Glenn does not want to make a unilateral move here by kind of usurping Tibbs and Layden and doing it himself. He wants everyone to be on the same page. I don't know that that's possible right now. I, I, no, I don't, I don't think it is either. Hello, gentlemen. Yeah. Hi, Phil. <laughs> hey, Phil. What, is he, what, is, what does Glenn Taylor want here? Does he want Tom... Th- does Glenn Taylor want honest question? Does Glenn Taylor want is. Tom Thibodeau to be the guy in charge for the next three years? Is he is that still his hope? Because I think we've all moved past that and just said, "All right, it's not working. He's not connecting with the most important player in the franchise. The guy that he brought in to save the franchise wants out and is sitting out games because of general soreness, but maybe not." I mean, if he. If Glenn Taylor has come to the conclusion that Tom Thibodeau is not the guy, mm-hmm. why is Tom Thibodeau still the guy? So the only thing I can conclude is he still wants Tom. He still has visions of Tom Thibodeau being the guy who takes the Wolves to some new level with Carl Anthony Towns over the next three years of his contract, right? I think Glenn is the type of guy who who sees trouble around him. And in the case with the Wolves, it's almost constant and always hopes to himself, maybe I'll wake up tomorrow and it'll all be different. I think he's just the old oblivious uncle who hopes it goes away. Because why, why things else? Things just sort of solve themselves. Yeah, because and... why else wouldn't you, by this point, this is embarrassing. Tibbs, is looking, Tibbs looks like a clown. I said, Jimmy Butler should call Tibbs and say, Tom, I will play tonight if you dress in full for Halloween clown costume and coach with a big red nose on. <laughs> you just on. really want to see that badly. Yes, I do, because be gra- it'd be great. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, this is, this is on every level. It's an embarrassment to everybody. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's, I don't know. I just don't understand what the end game is here for any party, really. I, I understand what Jimmy Butler's end game is. I think it's pretty transparent. Mm-hmm. Play a few games, show the world that you're still one of the best players around, do things like this. Minnesota has to score on this possession. Timberwolves, 11 total blocks tonight. I almost feel like, so my read on it is, he that was his mic drop game to show the world, yeah, I can go toe-to-toe with LeBron James, I can hit five dagger threes in the fourth quarter, in case all of you are wondering about my health and my ability, here it is on full display, I'm just fine. And then, a couple days later, he says, yeah, oh man, my body's not uh, feeling too good, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. 
better not play here. I don't want to risk anything against Utah. I mean, I'll, maybe I'll play later in the week against Golden State. But he basically just bought himself, in his mind, five days for the Wolves to, A, to show the Wolves, hey, yeah, uh, I still want to be traded because I'm not going to play against the Jazz. And you have a week to trade me until Golden State, and that's our next checkpoint. I think it goes back to to Friday night. He calls in sick to work, d- doesn't show up for shoot-around, then is either convinced to or decides to play. Scores four points against the Bucks. Four points. They don't do a thing. Like, they don't trade him. They don't do a thing. So he's like, I couldn't have played any worse. And they're still not trading me. So Monday comes around. He's like, bleep this. Yeah. 32 on LeBron and the Lakers. That'll up my value and everyone will be excited. Mm-hmm. And nothing happens. So so he is. I don't think it's an it's an overstatement. And I don't feel sorry for Jimmy Butler for one second. He's being held hostage. He is just being held hostage. Because he wants out and yeah. nobody's doing anything. And they won't do it, a thing. He can score four points and be insubordinate against the Bucks. Still on the roster. Yeah. 32 against the Lakers. Still on the roster. Yeah, I'm not exonerating him though either because oh, not either. his his antics. But and in his, his mind, in his mind, I think he thinks he's being held hostage, and to a certain degree, he really is. Yeah. I, I think what bothers me most about him is he he puts himself out there as this great leader, and you know, I'm I'm the one that you need me, and I'm the leader in the face, and it's all just in. He's very good, but it's all just in theory. You know, mm-hmm. he's not he's not actually leading Carl Anthony Towns or. Tyus Jones. There is no good guy here, and, and everybody who's a main player in this, to me, is now despicable. Uh, like Carl Anthony Towns included? Or? No, 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 oh, no, no, no. Okay. Jimmy Butler, Tibbs, Taylor. The the key components in this saga are despicable. Yeah. Well, let's go back to my question here of what what's the end game for everyone? I mean, Jimmy Butler's end game is, hey, uh, I still want to be traded. I'm fine, fine enough to put up a bunch of points against the Lakers, but oh, if you're asking me to play against the Jazz tonight, ah, better take it easy, right? I mean, his everything he's doing is very transparent, and he wants out. But what's the end game for Tom Thibodeau here, and what's the end game for Glenn Taylor here? I don't know what I can't figure out what Glenn Taylor's end game is, because any other logical sane owner would have said this has turned into such a disaster, and you've got so many conflicting agendas in the locker room and on the courts and in the front office that right. the, the, the I, it's it's just going to have to be a clean slate. The guy that I hired to get this thing right has rubbed too many people the wrong way. It's got to be blown up. I think Tom Thibodeau is basically going, looking at this whole thing as sink or swim. He's just going to sink or swim with what he has in front of him. He's going to go all out to try and win as much as he possibly can for this year. And he has no interest in trading Jimmy Butler and he's going to let Jimmy do whatever he wants and he's not going to he's not going to want to move him he's not going to want to trade him because he knows let's be real here he knows if he trades Jimmy Butler they're not a playoff team i mean they're already kind of for the most part even with Jimmy i don't know if they're a playoff team just considering what the current situation is oh yeah and they got a bunch of they got a bunch of tough games coming up too yeah. they're already below 500 so if you trade Jimmy you're probably definitely not a playoff team and if you're Tibbs, if that's the case, you're out of a job anyway. Tibbs, so Tibbs. He, he's he's playing in a way. He's kind of playing with house money because he just he knows that this is probably going to be it. So why would he want to move Jimmy Butler? His ultimate goal is to see Jimmy walk next July. That's his goal. His goal yeah. is to have a, his goal. His goal has nothing to do with with what's good for the, this franchise. But I would, Phil, I would say to your point, and, and we talked about this last week. 
when you start to pose rational questions about non-rational people, which Glenn and Tom aren't, I've learned this lesson already. You're posing questions. <laughs> you're 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 making points that they are not prepared to, and don't have the yeah. mental capability to answer. It doesn't make sense. There's like, no the, end game. The whole Tom, Th- like everything Manny just laid out from Tom Thibodeau's perspective, is correct. That Tom Thibodeau sees two options: Jimmy Butler and wins, wins, wins as much as I can, even though it's a brick wall that you're running into. Or fired, right? Yep. And I look at it from this other perspective, and and I'm not sitting in Tom Thibodeau's shoes. I, I, you know, I'm I'm able to look at it and say, no, there's there's at least a third option. A third option being, oh man, rats. This whole this this Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns thing. We were hoping that was going to work for a long time, and <laughs> it's just not. It's just not. And it's through no fault of anyone's. It's probably all of our faults. It's probably some Carl Anthony Towns fault. It's probably some my fault as the coach. I'm going to be self-reflective here. And it's probably some Jimmy Butler's fault, but it's just not going to work. So, Glenn, okay, instead of hitting the detonate button, I've got this vision here. I'm, 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 I'm redrawing up this vision. Let's pivot, okay? Mm-hmm. So we're going to go Carl Anthony Towns, Josh Okogie. You know, we got to keep Andrew Wiggins because, you know, we looked him in the eye last summer and he told us he was going to play hard. But, That's on Glenn, too. But here's, yep. here's the pivoted version of what we're going to do. Why is that not even a discussion? It's apparently it's not even because a discussion that because I don't think Tibbs is thinking that way. Well, no, you're not. You're not. He's that. I mean, because you're, you're right, Phil. Like that should be that should be the rational yeah. thought, right? So like, that should be like, yeah, let's okay. Look, the rational thought should be Tibbs goes to Glenn and says, "Listen, Jimmy wants out. We should probably we should probably oblige to this, and let's just sort of hit a soft reset button and start this over. We still got a lot of good." Good things here. We're probably going to take a little bit of a step back. We're probably not going to make the playoffs, but let's think about the future now. But Tibbs is not, he, that's not, but, he's not wired that way. But he's the, not thinking that. Way. The rational thought right now, as we sit here at the end of October, the complete rational thought is not Tibbs. The, the rational thought is Glenn has to go to Tom and say, number one, I just traded Butler. I I did it. Bleep you. And two, you're just fired. That's the right. No, but 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 anybody anybody that owned anybody oh, that and owned, I slashed your car tires. Yeah. so you're gonna yeah. have to, you're gonna have to take a bus home. But anybody who owns a business by this point to allow to allow this this basketball madman to control your franchise, and he is running the franchise into the ground. Yeah, and I poisoned your food, by the way, too. So you're going to be in the bathroom for five hours, and then you can go home. But I bet you right now in the NBA, if you looked at all the teams and their current situations, including the team that LeBron James just left, and say, all right, all of you GMs, I bet you there's 10 or 15 general managers right now or president of basketball operations and owners, or if you were to go to them and say, so almost half the league, off the top of my head, or if you were to say, you get Carl Anthony Towns, you have to take Andrew Wiggins too, but the, it's, he's still sort of moldable if you get the right coach in there, and you get Josh Okogie and a Tyus Jones, you get a nice little collection of young pieces, including one of the best young players in the world right now, Carl Anthony Towns, and whatever assets you can gain by trading Jimmy Butler right now, and you get to replace whatever your current situation is. So Cleveland, you get to wipe all of it out. I bet you almost half the GMs in the league would take this and say, okay, that's yeah, definitely not what the Warriors have going or what the Lakers have going with young players, LeBron and cap space. But, Celtics, or, yeah. Yeah, but like compared to what the Hawks or the Cavs or the Magic or the Nets have right now, some of those teams might rather have their cap space and take a shot at right. two free agents. But 
it's actually if you if you peel yourself away emotionally from if you're Tom Thibodeau and again I'm dealing in rationale here and he's not if you if you pull yourself away emotionally from Jimmy Butler and, and everything that you're attached to and say all right here are your assets and here's the situation you get it's actually not that bad it's not that bad you've got some contracts going away in a year or two as Towns continues to get better. And again, you get whatever whatever assets you can get back in a trade for one of the best 15 players in the world who just took LeBron James to school on, was it national TV the other night, or was it just an FSN game? I think it was on, I don't know, I don't know whatever. I don't know, but it was against James. But, but right? It's right, a, except for this a, fact. It's an appealing right, situation. except for this mm-hmm. fact. We're talking about a man who very well might be prepared to take a Kogi out of his rotation again when Wiggins comes back. Josh Okogie, who's proved himself to be a really mature kid, he might not be perfect, but he's pretty damn good. He is he is the definition of a player who, on a team like this, should be playing probably a lot instead, and learning. Instead, Derrick Rose is going to get yes. 30 minutes and shoot mm. 17 times. And when Wiggins comes back, there is a chance that this guy might be ditched from the rotation, which which should be reason enough if you're Glenn Taylor to say, why am I employing you? Dude. You're you doing guys, nothing. Did you guys know? I I think it was Monday night during the broadcast. I think it was Dave Benz who said that Derrick Rose actually leads this team in total shot attempts. Yep. It's a little skewed because Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler had one tier game and, and yeah. Andrew Wiggins but, might actually have been the leader if he had played. But yeah. But Derrick Rose, a guy that you're just relying on to be to just come in and be a spark off the bench and get some, you know, score some points for you and push push the tempo once in a while. Is leading your team in shot attempts? No, okay. I I have a hot take about that. That because we're up against. Let's let's do it when we come back. Yeah. And also, Stan Van Gundy had some things to say about Carl Anthony Towns, which we can talk about. The football hour is on the horizon here. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off on fifteen hundred ESPN. All right, let's check on your traffic here as uh, we roll on from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Highway 100 southbound, we've got a crash in St. Louis Park between uh, West 36th Street and Excelsior Boulevard. And uh, that is causing about a seven-minute delay, so be on the lookout for that. And also, uh, northbound 35E in St. Paul, we've got a crash between uh, Pennsylvania Avenue and Maryland Avenue. And factor in an extra... Uh, about six minutes for that as we roll on here on Mackie and Judd. Do you believe, like many people do, that Paul Anthony Towns has in some ways been broken by Jimmy Butler? Well, if he has, then you can't build your franchise around him. I know that for sure. I mean, if the fact that Jimmy Butler has been critical of him or hard on him or whatever, and that's broken him, then that's not a guy you're ever going to be able to build around. Do you believe in soft? Do you believe in the idea of a player as talented as Carl Anthony Towns, who I I think a lot of people would like to start a team with him right now, given the evolution going on in basketball. Am I wrong? Like, Wasn't Carl Anthony Towns, in terms of young player, big, evolved? When do you have a soft guy? How do you realize that you've got a soft guy, Stan? I mean, soft is a thing, and everybody's going to have their own definition, but I'm not going to call Carl Anthony Towns soft. What I will say about Carl Anthony Towns is to this point in his career, he has not shown a commitment on the defensive end of the floor at all that will help that team win games. And to me, that's even more of a problem because he's played for a guy like Tom Thibodeau, who is a guy who emphasizes defense 
teaches it very well. So it's not like Carl Anthony Towns is in an organization that just doesn't put a, a great deal of emphasis on the defensive end of the floor. He just hasn't decided it's important enough yet. And until he does, uh, it, it's going to be hard to build a, a winner around him. That was uh, Stan Van Gundy on the Dan Lemitard show. Close friends with station. close friends with Tibbs. Yes, so he's definitely getting so. There's some, some of bias that. there. So okay, let's play off this for a second because Carl Anthony Towns, even let let's say he is a little soft, a little whiny, and doesn't play the greatest defense. Okay, even with all those, things, he's still putting up crazy productive offensive numbers, and they're not just hollow numbers. It's not like Kevin Love used to. Goose's rebound numbers by just stealing rebounds from everybody. You know, we're talking about a dude who is one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA. But why is it we do this all the time correctly, I might add, in football? We'll look at quarterbacks who fail in the NFL, like David Carr back in 2002, or pretty much every Browns quarterback since 1999, and look at guys like Tom Brady and say, conditions matter and your surroundings matter. If you're trying to grow a plant, so to speak, and you never water the plant. And then you wonder if you're Cleveland or you're the Texans back in 2002. Well, I got, I don't know. Why'd this plant die? I don't know. Did you water it? Right. Did you give it an offensive line? Did you give it a coach that connects with him? Did you give him some skill position players you can throw the ball to? So we, I think we correctly evaluate quarterbacks through that prism that, oh, man, it's too bad so-and-so got drafted. Or, man, Josh Rosen got lucky. He got to go to a team with Larry Fitzgerald on it, right, Arizona. But in basketball... It's almost like we completely ignore the fact that the Timberwolves are one of the worst organizations at, A, developing young players outside of Kevin Garnett and Kevin Love, maybe a couple others here and there. Almost every young player they've brought in has been a bust of a draft pick or an underwhelming player. And it's not just that they whiff on their draft picks. It's, it's because they don't, they don't provide resources that are necessary. Are they really providing Carl Anthony Towns from a coaching standpoint, a teammate standpoint, cultural system, everything? the best opportunity to grow into a ferocious monster? And the answer is no, but the, they're not. But the thought process among basketball people is this. Defense is want to. So if he, if in their mind he doesn't play that, play that aspect of the game hard enough, that's his fault. But you're going to a place that's absolutely true, which is, and, and that's the thing about this, is you've got these young players in right now the most dysfunctional situation not of their doing at all now now you could say well if they played harder butler would would want to stay and that might be true it might not be i don't know but i don't fault these young players for what they're having the bs that they're having to put up with on a daily basis and Mm -hmm. and the van gundy notion that tibbs is this great defensive coach he might have been at one time, but I'm sorry. Yeah. When when your whole platform is to scream and yell and scream and yell some more, and then and then to get abused by Butler, I mean it's embarrassing. And then he's supposed to, and then Towns is supposed to say, "Yeah, but Tibbs, I've got his back." No, he doesn't. So so I think you're going to a place that's accurate, which is the Wolves right now are a joke and an embarrassment. And a guy like Towns looks, and he knows that. Yeah. Like if you if you're, I mean, this is the question I would throw back at Stan Van Gundy. All right, let's let's go with your theory, Stan. That Carl Anthony Towns is just a it's it's he's soft and he's not a guy that you want to build a franchise around and completely ignore surroundings with that evaluation. Say, would you have the same opinion about him or what type of a player would he be if he played for the San Antonio Spurs and Greg Popovich or for the Boston Celtics and Brad Stevens? Two different types of coaches, but guys who really empower their players 
and schematically are always on the cutting edge of where the NBA is going. Greg Popovich was a grinded out, had a bunch of grinded out two-point shooting boring teams with two centers. Ten mm-hmm. years later, the Spurs are jacking up more threes than almost any team in basketball five years ago, right? And, right he, be- and he even admitted like publicly that he hates the three-point shot. He hates that everybody's shooting threes, but like he's still doing it. Yep. He's still doing it. So if you put Carl Anthony Towns in some of these more, I don't know, growth uh forward organizations where you've you've got the right surroundings and you've got the right coach who can connect with young players and you've got teammates around who fit modern NBA offense and defense do you think we'd be calling him soft no we'd be calling him a monster maybe he's a little maybe he'd be a little bit more of a likable lovable monster i than- think i think if if he was with a team that had a culture that was good, we would have a much better idea of who he is. Yeah. You can't judge him. That's the problem. It's impossible when when you have a franchise that does what the Wolves do, which is embrace chaos. They embrace chaos. They love it. It's impossible to judge young players because what are they supposed to do? Mm-hmm. If you're Towns, what, what do you do? Like yep. tonight... Butler's just not going to play, and mm-hmm. and he's being empowered by his coach to not play. Yep. I mean, I, there's there's so many examples. I mean, I'm sure people can think of work examples. I mean, this is Manny. Slap me in the face if I I'm not I'm not going to go too far with this, but mm-hmm. like Manny used to have jobs at two different radio stations. One radio station gave Manny a microphone on a regular basis and allowed him to talk about sports. The other was not a sports station, and Manny was more of a behind the scenes guy. Well, guess where Manny thrives? The place that connects with what Manny's good at, which is. Talking sports and being on a microphone, et cetera, et cetera, right? Carl Anthony Towns shoots threes and runs around like a gazelle as a seven-footer and connects with different types of personalities at coach that aren't Tom Thibodeau. He connected more with the Flip Saunders type of a you know loving, nurturing coach, right? So, okay, well, if you take all those things away from him and you feature ball-centric guards on offense and he just has to wait around for his chance, well, he needs to demand the ball. Well, okay, maybe... Or, I don't know, draw up more offense but, for one of the most ridiculously good players in the NBA? But the the answer might be he does need to do that. We don't know. We don't when you work in an environment that that's off that's awful, which this environment is now with the wolves, we have no idea. Mm. Would Wiggins develop? And I'm not saying he would, but more than he is now. Would he have a chance? It's a fair yes. question. I, I feel like this entire franchise takes good young talent and sort of just saps it. They just yeah, sort uh, of sap it. On that note, Justin Patton, they will not pick up his third year option. So and and there that goes. And listen, that glad you brought that up, Phil, because that was part of the Jimmy Butler trade. So if you're Tom Thibodeau, you make this move to get Jimmy Butler and and on the surface it looks great. And you know, you get a good sort of return out of Jimmy last year because he's playing hard, he's hitting all these clutch shots, and you get to the playoffs and all of that. But you think about what you gave up. Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, Laurie Markkinen, you get Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton in return, and now Jimmy wants out and Justin Patton, you're not even picking up his mm-hmm. third-year option. Yep, uh, It's a mess. Speaking of environment and empowerment, you mentioned Zach Levine. Zach Levine has played seven games so far this year for the Chicago Bulls. He's shooting 52% from the floor, 40% from three, and averaging 28 points, five rebounds, and three assists for the Chicago Bulls. 
Now, he could stand to play a little more defense because Clay Thompson lit them up the other night for Agreed. 52 points in 27 minutes. But, Agreed. Yes, yes. Agreed. Your point, yes. And some of it's just he's now in his fifth year in the NBA. He's getting a little bit more mature, but he's he's thriving. And he doesn't have Derrick Rose playing 30 minutes in front of him. And and actually... Taking 19 shots. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I was you were going to say something, Judd. Do you have a final point on this? Or can no, I make my no. Derrick Rose rant? Make your point. It's just a complete mess. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, on the on the Derrick Rose front, we also have uh, some Gopher hockey tickets to give away later this hour. So be listening if you want to go to a Gopher hockey game, and uh, we'll give out Gopher hockey tickets here pretty soon. But let's all right this the Derrick Rose thing where he's taken more shots than anybody else on the team so far. That was the stat going into the Lakers game, anyways. And they, it's like they flashed that graphic, and he took four shots in the next 60 seconds of real time. Two clanked long jumpers, and then went out underneath the basket. Underneath, uh, who's the who's the center blocking shots for the uh, uh, JaVel McGee? JaVale he went McGee, and got yeah. stuffed by JaVel McGee a couple times. But I actually have a hot take about Derrick Rose that might be different than what you guys think. Mackie and Judd with Manny Hill from the TCL Broadcast. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, We have gopher hockey tickets to give away before the end of the hour. And we just got an email here. We have a winner in our Minnesota sports dysfunctional moments bracket. We'll unveil that before the end of the hour, too. We had our final matchup take place over the last 24 hours. This is final, right? I guess I'm yeah, behind the it. email threads here. But yep. Yeah, there's, yeah. This is it. Yep. So we'll get, we'll get to that here, too. Uh, but on Derrick Rose, so just if, if, if context weren't involved and, you know, you weren't fighting for, once Wiggins comes back, you weren't fighting for minutes with guys like Josh Okogi. I mean, it wasn't. Wiggins holding Josh Okogie's minutes back. It was Derrick Rose holding Josh Okogie's minutes back. So if you take away context and just watch Derrick Rose in a vacuum, yeah, his shooting percentage is pretty crappy. It's 38%, and he's taking too many threes. He's never been a three-point shooter, but he takes a bunch. Uh, But the way he looks, just in terms of his energy and the way that he bounces around, he looks a lot more like five years ago Derrick Rose. I think it's fair to say. I think there's a lot of teams that could use Derrick Rose as a piece off the bench, a little energy spark right now, a little sixth man come in for 20, 25 minutes, and maybe once in a while light the place on fire and score 20 or 25 points. And I would even say if the Timberwolves had things really meshed with Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, and if this team was really ready to push forward and didn't have its star player demanding a trade, I would be all about Derrick Rose getting 20, 25 minutes on this team and say, yeah, all right, maybe don't shoot as many long jumpers, but get to the rim and bounce around and 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 find teammates for four or five assists. Mm-hmm. But this is just the wrong, it's the wrong time, it's the wrong team, it's the wrong fit. And he's not being used correctly because the, the head coach still goes back to he's my guy instead of saying that he is a veteran player who could be, who could be a piece of things, but the other question becomes this. So Derek Rose, let's say he's playing fairly well. And let's say that that the Wolves were able to basically sit down and say what you just said, Phil, which is he could help a team. We mm-hmm. might make some phone calls on Derek Rose. 
But you know they can't do that because Tibbs can't do it. So if you thought that there was a means to an end here and you said to yourself, okay, that's great, but he can't do it. He had they, Tibbs is going to continue to use this poor guy in, in the same way, which guess what? That means that Derrick Rose will ultimately be, be his current self by February or March or be hurt. And that's going to be it. He's going to be Derrick Rose again because Tibbs doesn't have the ability to assess what he has primarily as a personnel guy. And look at this and say, Derrick Rose could help a team, which in turn could help us get something for him possibly. And that's a credit to me. He just says, Derrick's my guy. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, that's, what's so, that's what's so baffling and frustrating about this organization. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying. I'm looking. I'm comparing him to other players in the league. So on a on a per 36 minute basis, he's <laughs> oh man. Uh, so per 36 minutes, he's taken more shots than Jimmy Butler. So he's out there taking more shots on a per 36 minute basis than Jimmy Butler, Carl mm-hmm. Anthony Towns. Uh, he's in the same neighborhood around the league as Anthony Davis. He only. <laughs> per 36 minutes, he takes one fewer shot than Anthony Davis does. Are you rethinking oh your God. Are you rethinking your hot take? <laughs> um, well, I I prefaced it by saying if he if he pumped the brakes on some of these long shots, oh. uh, just we're taking some reaction. We'll take you can tweet at us anytime at Phil Mackey at 1500 ESPN Judd at Manny Hill 84. And Kyle tweets into the show. You guys are ridiculous. The way you make excuses for Carl Anthony Towns, it's terrible. And shows no knowledge on the topic. Ripping Tibbs is one thing, uh, unwarranted. Although I don't know what that means. But I think discrediting Stan Van Gundy on the subject is such trash. I think there's room for Stan Van Gundy to be wrong on things. We should play the soundbite again here. I, I think mm-hmm. if you were to look at Stan Van Gundy in the, the the current modern NBA, which I consider the last six or seven years of the NBA, which has been so much different than any any other era. Uh, in Detroit, he went 32 wins, 44 wins, 37, 39, and also was the front office guru there. His last year in Orlando, they were 37 and 29 and got bounced. He's, he's won one playoff. He's won three playoff games since 2010. I think there's room for Stan Van Gundy to be wrong, but if you missed the soundbite earlier, this is what he said about Carl Anthony Towns. Do you believe, like many people do, that Carl Anthony Towns has in some ways been broken by Jimmy Butler? Well, if he has, then you can't build your franchise around him. I know that for sure. I mean, if the fact that Jimmy Butler has been critical of him or hard on him or whatever, and that's broken him, then that's not a guy you're ever going to be able to build around. Do you believe in soft? Do you believe in the idea of a player as talented as Carl Anthony Towns, who I I think a lot of people would like to start a team with him right now, given the evolution going on in basketball. Am I wrong? Like, Wasn't Carl Anthony Towns, in terms of young player, big, evolved? When do you have a soft guy? How do you realize that you've got a soft guy, Stan? I mean, soft is a thing, and everybody's going to have their own definition, but I'm not going to call Carl Anthony Towns soft. What I will say about Carl Anthony Towns is to this point in his career, he has not shown a commitment on the defensive end of the floor at all that will help that team win games. And to me, that's even more of a problem because he's played for a guy like Tom Thibodeau who is a guy who emphasizes defense, teaches it very well, so it's not like Carl Anthony Towns is in an organization that just doesn't put a, a great deal of emphasis on the defensive end of the floor. 
He just hasn't decided it's important enough yet. And until he does, uh, it, it's going to be hard to build a, a winner around him. Yeah. So he teaches well by screaming. And by, by the way, how old school is that to say, well, if he was broken by Butler, you can't build mm-hmm. or, around him? How ridiculous is that right now? He's about to turn 23 years old. He could, he still can be a fantastic and is a fantastic talent. I understand that there are, are shortcomings to Cat's game, and I completely get that. But when you're the old gruff basketball, well, if you were broken by Butler, and, and if you want to talk about that, let's talk about Butler breaking Van Gundy's buddy Tibbs. Mm-hmm. He's ruined him as a coach, he's got zero credibility now. You can't be pushed around by a guy like Jimmy Butler, who who Garnett's right. He's a Jimmy Butler is a very good player, but guess what? He's not. He's not a top five superstar, beyond belief, LeBron James type of guy, right? So so Van Gundy's guy, Van Gundy's boy, Tibbs, has been embarrassed at every turn. Mm-hmm. Is a running punchline right now. Has zero respect coming to him from anybody in this league, and he wants to talk about. Cat being broken by Butler. Good. Butler has destroyed Tibbs, and it's a complete joke at this point. Let's go back to the other thing Stan Van Gundy said, too, which is that Carl Anthony Towns shows no commitment on defense, and part of the reason why that must be true is because Tom Thibodeau is wonderful at teaching defense. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've got a wonderful teacher when it comes to defense and someone that talented isn't picking up defense, then... He must not be buying in, right? Well, the Timberwolves, in terms of net defensive rating here, I'm not going to go too stat-heavy on you, but net defensive rating in the three years Tom Thibodeau has been the coach have ranked 27th, 27th, and now they're up to 25th this year. 27th, 27th, 20th. They've been bottom five or bottom four in all three of Tom Thibodeau's seasons here. Mm -hmm. So if he is great at teaching defense, then he's got a bunch of guys on this team that are just too lazy to buy in or too stupid to buy in, right? Could it maybe be that he's not great at teaching defense and communicating yes. with human beings? Of course it could. 651-646-8255. Bruce in Wyoming. Come on, guys. Towns hasn't shown anything to pick us up. Sure, he has a lot of talent. There's a lot of guys in the NBA with a lot of talent. He doesn't want to be a leader. He can't be a leader. He doesn't want the ball at the end. And Wiggins... Hate to say it, he's a mental midget. He went to work for a ten-hour day, like most blue-collar guys. These guys won't last a minute. That's all I got to say. Okay. You know, I, I'll just, I'll, I'll just say this. I'll just say this. Okay, there's. I'm taking naps, you guys. There's 30 teams in the NBA, right? There's 30 teams in the NBA. Look at the teams that are at the top right now. You got Golden State. You got, I mean, they're they're one and five right now. But Houston, sure. Boston, San Antonio is obviously still relevant. Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Indiana's pretty good. All of those teams have coaches that recognize the old school. Appreciate the old school, but also understand that, hey, it's 2018. I can't just yell and bark and walk up and down the sidelines bellowing out, you know, swear words and 
you know, go get them and keep moving Toughness. and they, to, to be tough and go get them, G. And uh, wake up, people. Tom Thibodeau is still coaching as if it's 1995 and it's Pat Riley's New York Knicks that I think he was an assistant on. And, you know, you get Anthony Mason and Charles Oakley beating people up when you drive into the lane and Patrick Ewing is the. Like, it's 2018. Wake up. Yeah. Look at what Ben Stevens is doing in Boston right now. He's got a bunch of kids mixed in with some veteran players, just like the Wolves do. Look at how good they're doing. He's got Kyrie Irving, who everybody keeps saying, oh, Kyrie Irving doesn't commit to defense, and he's not a very good defensive player. Look at where the Boston Celtics are right now. And you're telling me that it's just, it's all on Towns, and it's all his, you know, he's got to get tougher. and he, Yeah, does he need to toughen up a little bit? But come on, people. Wake yeah. up. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're... If you're looking at the Timberwolves thinking that Carl Anthony Towns is the problem. Honest to God. The problem. Well, you need Glenn Taylor needs to fire Tibbs so that you can eventually, hopefully, establish an environment in which we can make decisions on these players. Because right now you can't. Yeah, then it's then it goes back to Glenn Taylor is the one that creates the environment for which all of these decisions are made for twenty plus years. But other than that, things are going great. Mm-hmm. Uh we have go for hockey tickets to give away here before the end of the hour and Speaking of Minnesota sports dysfunction, we've had a little fun with it the last couple weeks on 1500ESPN.com. We have our winner in the dysfunctional Minnesota sports moments bracket, 651-646-8255, if you have uh, a rebuttal to what we've been talking about here with Carl Anthony Towns and Tom Thibodeau at 877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check on your traffic, shall we? We've got crashes all over the metro right now. 35W southbound uh, Minneapolis uh, between 11th Avenue and Highway 55, factoring an extra 16 minutes there. Uh, 169 northbound in St. Louis Park. We've got that crash uh, between Cedar Lake Road and Frontage Road, and uh, that's an extra seven minutes. And we've got crashes all up and down at 35E, northbound and southbound in St. Paul near Pennsylvania Avenue and Maryland Avenue, that whole area uh, just just north of uh, downtown St. Paul. So be on the lookout for those areas. What do we, is it a four-pack or a pair of tickets to go for hockey? I believe it is a four-pack. Let me double-check here on the promo suite. It is uh, four tickets and one parking pass to go for hockey versus Mankato on Friday. To caller number two. Caller number two, 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. You get to go watch a little gopher hockey. You been to a gopher hockey game yet this season? Not yet. Not yet. Although they played UMD here. Is, is that correct? And then they, they lost to North Dakota last Saturday hmm. in Vegas, though. So, no, I, I have not. I might go Friday. They're taking a lot of penalties, though. It's a problem here. I'm not sure exactly why. Hmm. They need to cut down on, on the power plays that they're giving opponents right now. We'll break that down in just a second. Yeah, here. I was sure we will. Uh, let's, let's, Talk about let, my wild. <laughs> it's my team now. Let's go to, uh, we're talking Carl Anthony Towns. Is he soft? Is Carl Anthony Towns soft like Stan Van Gundy is saying? Uh, or or would he flourish in a different way with a different set of circumstances? Andrew, go ahead. Hey, guys. 
So I've talked to you before, and I've told you uh, I'm a Boston sports fan. So I'll take your booze from you at this point. But <laughs> look at the Boston teams and their ownership, and then look at the ownership of the Wolves and teams like the Cleveland Browns. Yep. That's why they lose. Tibbs may be what he is, but it's Glenn Taylor. Yep. Glenn Taylor is the guy that puts people in place, and he doesn't know how to do it. The Cleveland Browns are the same thing. Look at the dysfunction that has happened there for the last you know, 20 years. It is not about coaches. It's not about players. It's about ownership. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a Andrew great call. And, and, and it comes back to your favorite word, Phil Mackey, culture. Mm-hmm. It's about everybody says they want to win. And some people are serious, and some want to win, but they think they know how, and they haven't a clue. And Glenn Taylor has no clue when it comes to professional sports how to win. Let's go to uh, Leroy in St. Paul. You're on with Maggie and Judd. Hey, Leroy. Hey. Yeah, hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I, can't, I couldn't agree more with the last call. I, I absolutely agree with that. that. That's obvious. Taylor's just ran this thing to the ground and made pretty much every bad decision he could at every turn, including, you know, um, ostracizing and, and kind of KG. But my point is on the Van Gundy tip. It's really just we're talking about an old-school mentality, man. It's it's if you look at the NBA right now, every offense runs. The you know the points scored are going up. It's an offensive base base league, and it's not about building one guy anymore. You know you got to be thinking team chemistry and a number of different guys that are going to get you where you need to be. So I think like Butler's focus on on um, on Towns is just a little. It's just childish. It's old school. And Butler's that type of guy, and Van Gundy's that type of guy. I mean. You know, Jalen Rose, Tracy McGrady, I listen to those guys a lot. They're all old-school guys, and they have old-school mentalities. Yep. You know, Towns would be great on so many offenses. And, uh, you know, his defense would be hit. His defensive flaws would be hidden, like uh, Steph Curry's were, was when he was early, you know, when he was young. So yeah. that's my that's my take on it. Yeah, Lira, that's a, it's a good point. It's, it's just, I don't know, it's like people – I I don't want to go too far in the direction of Carl Anthony Towns is untouchable. He's untouchable. No, he's definitely not untouchable, and he deserves to be nudged and criticized and tweaked and in the same way that we do with other young players in town. Okay, Teddy needed to go a little bit further down the field here, right? Okay, uh, uh, Miguel Sano needed to cut back on the strikeouts, this and that. Uh, but to ignore circumstances is I feel like people just ignore circumstances. Well, he needs to demand the ball. He needs to do this, and all right, well. Is he? How easy would that be for you in your workplace if everyone was just beating on you and you had chaos and a boss that was horrible and that you hated? And like, would you really step up and, or would you maybe fade into the background a little bit as a twenty-three-year-old? To Stan's point too, question about that. Tibbs at one time, I do believe, probably was a very good defensive coach, okay? So there was a time probably early on, certainly in his tenure with the Bulls, where his system was effective and probably very smart. But as you referred to before, the past six years or so have changed things drastically. Is Tibbs of 2018 really a good defensive coach? If you just take his principles, and let's say they all buy in, so, so it's not a question of I'm going to tune him out because I don't respect him. Let's say there's complete buy-in. In 2018, does that defensive process that he's teaching still work? Because this game in the last five years has changed drastically. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't, I, and, I, I don't, and I don't buy that they're not buying in. To, I think my guess is they probably did buy in for a while last year or whenever and realized, ooh, yeah, we're getting bombed from the three-point line here. 
uh, 651-646-8255. Harry and Ottertail. Mac and Judd, thanks for having me on. So, hey, you guys hit the nail on the head. Thank God I was able to grow up from the time I was 23 because you know what? I wasn't a very good leader. I might not have been a very good person when I was 23. Yeah. But that's what time does to people. And, you know, this whole thing, plenty of blame to go around, but fire tips, get that toxic culture out of there. Jimmy and his whole crew are frauds. And we need to give a chance to Wiggins and Towns and Okogie, who what a blessing he's been this year. We need to give them a chance to develop in a, in a real system. So thanks uh, for talking uh, about this. And uh, let's get ready for some change. Right on, man. All right. That's Harry and Ottertail. Uh, let's take one more on this subject before we unveil the winner of our, the winner, air quotes, of our dysfunctional sports moments bracket. Chris and Stillwater, go ahead, man. Yeah, I'm just listening to you guys, and there's one thing that I always think about, because I don't disagree with you guys and all this stuff, but at what point do you just say, dude, cry me a river? You know, if, if someone came to me and said, I'm going to pay you $25 million a year, but you're going to work for a jerk, and some of your coworkers are jerks, I'd be like, hey, pay me. I'm going to go out and bust my butt and give me the money. Sure, Chris, thanks for the phone call, but I think it's... I think it's more than just, all right, well, I'm just going to put my head in the sand and make $25 million. I think he wants the team to win, too. Right. That's the point. Yeah. Like, the fa- the fans the fans deserve to see a team that's competent and can win, and they don't get that year after year after year. So I don't think that this is about feeling bad for Cat. I think this is saying this guy could be an incredible talent, and if he is, this could be a eventually a very good team. And right now, there's no path to get there. Yeah. Zero path. Yep. Um, you guys want to know who wins or who won? <laughs> I think you're right. I think or it's not who lost. Win. Yes, who lost? Who lost? Two weeks ago, Manny Hill spearheaded this, and it took on a life of its own at 1500ESPN.com and on social media. We unveiled, and this wasn't our way of digging the knife in. This is us having fun with our history as Minnesota sports fans around here. <laughs> the dysfunctional moments bracket of Minnesota sports history. We whittled 32 down to a championship matchup of the Brett Favre interception against the Saints in the 2009 NFC Championship game versus Gary Anderson's missed field goal in the 1998 NFC Championship game. And we all thought that Love Boat would make it for sure to the finals and that Love Boat might even be the one that took home the trophy here. That's what I picked. And the winner was... By a 72% to 28% margin, the most dysfunctional moment, according to you fans out there, in Minnesota sports history, the Gary Anderson wide left field goal. Is that really worth applauding? There you go. I think that's more appropriate. Safe, safe to say, probably the most devastating single moment in the history of sports in this town right there. I the almost far, feel like it was the it was it was the, it was the precursor to the devastation. It was the first. It was an oh oh that doesn't that's not good. But they were still leading. I think it's what that field goal represented, though. Right? No, that right missed opportunity. But that that field missed all year, and, and that you know. field that missed field goal was the start of saying they're really going to lose. Yeah, that missed field goal was a microcosm too of the whole season, which was. As you're watching the season play out, just as you're watching Gary Anderson line up for that kick, nowhere in your mind did you have this negative Mm -hmm. energy of, oh, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. It was, 
they're for sure going to win this. They're going to Miami. And as he was lining up for that kick, it was this dude hasn't missed a kick all year. This is the this is the icing of the game right here. This is putting him up by ten points. <laughs> yes. And it was yeah, it's it was a it was a great microcosm or a terrible microcosm, I guess. Because by the time Favre threw the pick, you were sort of like, of course he did, right? But this this represented this game and year represented really. A bunch of fans who I think might have liked the Vikings, but then Moss came along and they were all in. So this was like the baby step, the first step of this is going to be great. This is going to be a championship team. And then they're not. By the time that those people got to the Favre game, they were like, "Eh, of course that happened. Yep. It's a a very jaded group. And the Vikings (laughs) events were littered up and down this this bracket. So it's not shocking that two Vikings events made it to the championship. I personally voted for the second coming of Randy Moss and how that blew up in everyone's face. (laughs) Oh, by then, by 2010, you're like, this is just not going to work. No, I disagree. I thought it was going to work. I legitimately thought it was going to work. When he was at that podium the day he came back and his last words were, y'all were fortunate that I was not on that boat. And started laughing, and I saw Wilf in, in the background trying to laugh. I thought to myself, this is going to blow up. <laughs> he was trying to laugh or trying not to laugh? Wilf was laughing. Oh. But Moss But it wasn't said, like that nervous sort of fake? It might have been, yeah. Oh, ready. Oh, good one. But when Moss said, y'all lucky I wasn't on that boat, I thought to myself, oh my God, what's Brad Childress <laughs> gotten himself into? Yeah, I, I, I took... I took the bait for sure. Like, oh man, this dude's going to be on a, re- a revenge tour to show the Patriots that they made a mistake. And- Get your purple '84 jerseys yeah. back on. Uh, the football hour when we come back here includes Rich Gannon in about twenty minutes or so. Now, Matthew Collar, you can find a written version of this on 1500ESPN.com. Dug into some tough decisions the Vikings have had to make and looked at some game situations for the Vikings to uh, see if it's been a plus or minus and, um, in terms of play calling and what they're doing in certain specific situations. We're going to talk to Matthew about that when we come back. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN.